I thank God for all who have led us in worship today. And I thank God for all of you who are moving through the New Testament challenge with us. I hope your New Testament reading is going well. Uh, if you're following the schedule, we've just finished the book of John a week ago or so, and we're just moved through the first few chapters of the book of Acts. So I hope that you're continuing to study the New Testament with us this year. Of course, we all need wisdom and inspiration from the Old Testament as well. So today we begin a new sermon series entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? Listening to the Prophets. I want to begin by drawing your attention to Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and the title of my sermon is, Quality Clay persistent potter. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter? So are you in my hand, Israel. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Scripture presents several different ways to picture the divine human relationship. These images are replete with insight about who God is and how we relate to God as human beings. Some of the most prominent biblical images of God's relationship to humanity include shepherd and sheep, Lord and servants, parent and children. Yet there is also the image of potter and clay. We can imagine ourselves as a lump of clay in God's hands, being formed, shaped, and molded. The depiction of God as potter and people as clay emerges in the writings of the Old Testament prophets. For example, Isaiah 64, 8 says, We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Lamentations 4, 2 says, The precious children of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold, how they are reckoned as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hand. It makes sense for human beings to be portrayed as clay, for Genesis 2-7 indicates that God originally formed human beings from the dust of the earth. We are all made of dirt. We are mud 
creatures. We can all trace our ancestry to clay. Although we are made of dust, and to dust we shall return. God has a purpose for us in the meantime. God is forming us for God's intentions. God is molding us for God's use. The most developed exploration of this image in the entire Bible is found in Jeremiah chapter 18. As the prophet Jeremiah sees a potter laboring at the wheel, forming a lump of clay, one immediate implication is that God, the divine potter, has a purpose for us, a plan for us, a design for us. Another implication is that the potter exerts mastery over the clay, that God is sovereign, that God rules over humanity. The clay is not in charge of the potter, but the potter is in charge of the clay. However, Jeremiah does not cast humans as inanimate lumps. To the contrary, Jeremiah 18:11 calls the people to turn away from evil and to amend their ways. The clay is called upon to participate intentionally in the molding process. In this analogy, the clay is active rather than passive. The clay is animate rather than inanimate. The clay can repent or not repent. The clay can turn in accordance with God's will or not turn. While a literal lump of clay is obviously an inanimate substance, Jeremiah is casting a dynamic analogy in which we as the clay choose how much to cooperate with the potter. God is in control of the formation process, yet we choose how much to bend to God's will. God has the freedom to form us, yet we have the freedom whether to conform. The best option is for the clay to yield and actively defer to the potter's will. This is actually crucial because no matter how skilled a potter is, the quality of the clay makes a difference in both the formation process and the final product. Since we are the clay in this grand analogy. It would behoove us to consider the characteristics of quality clay so that we might seek to personify them. Fortunately, my wife Dana holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in ceramics and has considerable experience throwing pots on a wheel. When I consulted her about this analogy and sought her expertise, she explained to me that there are three key characteristics of quality clay. The first characteristic of quality clay is elasticity. Quality clay is flexible, adaptable, malleable. In other words, it's bendable so that the potter can mold it as the potter sees fit. 
spiritually speaking, this means we must have soft hearts that are amenable to God's desires for us. We cannot be stubborn clay that always wants things our way. We cannot be resistant clay that is closed to new possibilities. We cannot be stiff clay that always wants to think the same way we've always thought, do the same things we've always done, and be the same way we've always been because God wants to mold us, to stretch us, and to shape us anew. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To act stubborn or stiff is an affront to the potter. It is to embody the greatest conceit imaginable. The mindset that we've already reached perfection and therefore require no further adjustment. It's to imply that the potter should be finished with us by now because we cannot possibly become any better than we already are. <laughs> but the potter is not finished. For anyone still living on this side of heaven, the potter is not done yet. The potter is still molding us, still shaping us, still designing us. If we feel stretched sometimes, God can maximize our elasticity to form us into what God wants us to be. Even if we feel stretched to the max, God can guide our movement purposefully. As clay on the master's wheel, we are to be compliant, supple, willing to bend with the hands that mold us. Individually and collectively, the people of God are in trouble the moment we refuse any more flexibility, any more amenability, any more transformation, any more change. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Does the clay say to the one who is making it, What are you making? The implied answer is no. We trust the potter to form us fittingly. Alongside the first characteristic of elasticity, the second characteristic of quality clay is grit. For clay to have grit, means that it's strong enough to hold together as the potter forms it vigorously. While the clay must be elastic enough to be stretched to the potter's desired shape, it must also be strong enough to maintain solid constitution under duress. Spiritually speaking, if elasticity signals a soft heart, then grit signals a strong heart. Our interior makeup must be sturdy enough not to fall apart on the wheel. The formation process is not always a pleasant experience for the clay. So there's a need for the clay to possess a certain toughness, a certain durability. How do we muster such internal strength. The truth is, we don't. While clay can have more or less natural grit, 
it's common for the potter to add grit to the clay in accordance with the potter's purpose for it. However strong the potter needs the clay to be, that's how much grit the potter will supply to it. Spiritually speaking, this suggests that inner power is not something intrinsic to our human nature, but rather something God adds to us as part of the formation process. In Ephesians 3.16, Paul says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. This passage suggests that God grants us grit through the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Interior fortitude is a provision from the potter. Have you ever endured a colossal challenge or a protracted season of adversity in your life and felt that God gave you just the strength you needed to get through it? There were multiple occasions over the past two years when living and pastoring through a pandemic was so difficult and demanding that I told my wife Dana it was only God's strength, only the power of the Spirit, only God imparted grit that was holding me up. As we make our hearts soft so that we have elasticity, God makes our hearts strong so that we have grit. In addition to elasticity and grit, the third characteristic of quality clay is purity. For clay to have purity means that it's uncontaminated by pollutants. Many different substances can find their way into clay, thereby tainting its purity. The level of purity in a given lump of clay affects the quality of the vessel that is produced. So how do we personify the purity of clay? One way is through moral conduct. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, we don't practice deception. We don't speak or support falsehood. We don't cut corners in our character. When taking a test, we don't cheat. When completing our tax returns, we don't fudge the numbers. When we order water at the restaurant, we don't sneak over to the drink machine and fill it up with soda. When we say we'll do something, we follow through on it. We say what we do, and we do what we say. We are honest and real and authentic. In a world where prevarication, ulterior motives, deceit, and misinformation seek to taint us, the people of God can embody purity by exhibiting integrity of the highest order. Purity is also related to the human will. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
The heart was considered the seat of the will in biblical times. So the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard had it right when he said, purity of the heart is to will one thing. If elasticity signals a soft heart and grit signals a strong heart, then purity signals a single-minded heart. To display purity is to will one thing, the glory of God. As the clay, that is our desire, our purpose, our goal, our raison d'etre, to bring glory to the one who is making us what we are. But preacher, someone says, I have fallen short of the purity standard. I have missed the mark. What am I to do? Well, actual clay must be cleared of impurities so that when it is fired, it will remain in high-quality condition. Dana tells me sometimes air bubbles form in clay. And if they're not taken care of, then when the piece is fired in a kiln, it can cause anything from small defects to major deformities. The key is for these impurities to be exposed, to be brought into the light, to be removed from the clay. Spiritually speaking, if we acknowledge our shortcomings to God, if we confess our sins and ask forgiveness for our impurities, God will wipe them away and continue working on us. In fact, in the original context of Jeremiah 18, God is giving the people of God a second chance. Verses 4 through 5 say, The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done? God is granting another opportunity to turn away from sin and to turn to God, to yield to God's will. The potter clearly offers second chances. None of us are perfect lumps anyhow. Sometimes the shape of our life falls apart completely. But even then, we can embody elasticity so that we are amenable to God's will. We can embody grit through the Holy Spirit to have a solid constitution under duress. And we can embody purity by confessing our sins and allowing God to remove them from us so that they do not pollute the ongoing formation process. But enough about the clay already. I mean, enough about the clay. After all, when there's an excellent sketch... The praise does not go to the pencil. When there's a beautiful painting, the praise does not go to the paint. When there's a masterful sculpture, the praise does not go to the marble. And when there is a fine piece of pottery, the praise does not go to the clay. The praise belongs to the potter. And what a potter we have.
God has spectacular skill to turn pedestrian lumps of clay into marvelous vessels. God has tireless stamina so that the formation of the clay is always underway. God has remarkable patience to put up with uncooperative clay until it takes the form God wants it to take. Notice in the text, don't miss this, that when the vessel comes out blemished, when it comes out spoiled in the potter's hand, the potter does not reach for a different piece of clay, but rather takes the same lump of clay and puts it back on the wheel to go to work shaping it again. No matter what you might think about the state of your life, God is not done with you yet. God is not finished with any of us yet. God still has some stretching to do. God still has some strengthening to do. God still has some purifying to do. How blessed we are to find ourselves in God's hands. God is a persistent potter, a patient potter, a gracious potter, a forgiving potter, and a faithful potter. Potter. God is not just a creator, but also a recreator. God is not just a molder, but also a remolder. God is not just a shaper, but also a reshaper. God is not just a maker, but also a remaker. There's always hope for the shape of our existence, for God will not quit working on us until we are formed into the shape God wants us to take, conformed to God's very will for us, and transformed into what God desires us to be. God's hands are on us even now, stretching us, strengthening us, purifying us for the living of these days. And on that day when God finally gets finished with us, what a glorious vessel we shall be. Amen.